Well, thank you, Brother Terry. I thank our choir for singing this morning and praise team, and then all of you for taking part in worship. And I pray that everything is pleasing to the Lord and accepted in His sight. And so thank you for, for just coming and being worshipers this morning. If you would turn to the book of Joel, book of Joel. I mentioned I was going to uh, share with Joel Bradley. I was preaching from the book of Joel, and he seemed real excited about that this morning. Book of Joel, I'm going to share a message with you I've simply entitled, Going Forward in Faith, Being Consecrated, Being Consecrated. While you're looking for Joel, the book of Joel, let me just mention, please remember Kim Grissom. Kim did not get a good report this week. She had some uh, tests on her pancreas, and she did not get a good report at all. So remember Mike Grissom and Kim especially, and Luke, if you would. And uh, Mary Belvin had some uh, tests this week. And so remember Mary, she struggles with Crohn's disease. And so remember her, Doug Behrman. Doug's not here. I didn't have anybody to thump my ear this morning, so I knew he, he was out. He's got the flu, so so remember Doug Berryman, if you will. So so many who are sick and need our prayers, some they're seriously ill. Going forward by faith and consecration are being consecrated. I want us to look at Joel 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, and I'm reading now the NIV translation, so it'll read very similar to yours, but I, there's a couple of words in here. It's translated a little, a little more direct to the original, and I felt like I, we needed to, to see those. The word of the Lord, verse 1, that came to Joel, son of Pithuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. And what the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. And what the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Look, if you will, at verse 14, chapter 1, Joel. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Sounds like the nation's in a pretty... You know, it sounds like it's in a big mess. sounds like there's been a terrible natural disaster where locusts have just devoured everything. And so we have where the prophet Joel is just calling everyone to the house of the Lord for a solemn assembly, for a holy convocation, just to pray for the country, just to pray for the land. Look, if you will, at chapter 2, verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. You can underline sacred assembly. Gather the people. Then a very important word, consecrate. Now, consecrate and commitment are two different words, two different meanings. 
We hear the word commitment a lot, but we don't hear the word consecrate. And here's the thing about it. You can't have commitment until first you're consecrated unto the Lord. When you're consecrated unto the Lord, the commitment just naturally flows. You wonder why people aren't as committed to the Lord? It's because they're not consecrated to the Lord. So it's a good idea that we find out what this consecrated means. Blow the trumpet in Zion, verse 15. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Sounds like everybody needs to be involved in this consecrated thing. You know, God's always permitted opportunities and ways for his people to meet collectively to worship him. To meet and, and repent, to come together and repent of personal sins and corporate sins. And to have a time to remember his special blessings that we've been blessed with. While at the same time anticipate future blessings that we will be blessed with. And so these opportunities... These assemblies to come together, these holy convocations, were called sacred assemblies or holy convocations. A time for God's people just to come together, confess personal sins, corporate sins, reflect on the past blessings, look forward to the new blessing where all of God's people come together. Now this happens time and time and time. These holy assemblies, these holy convocations, sacred assemblies. The Sabbath day was a sacred assembly where the people would come together. The Passover was a, a sacred assembly or a holy convocation. The, the Feast of Weeks, uh, known as Pentecost, that was a, a sacred assembly, a holy convocation where people would come together and reflect on the past, confess their sins, first of all, reflect on the past blessings, look forward to the new blessings. Confess, remember, anticipate. Old Testament, full of special days where God's people would come together. So you go over to the New Testament, and when you get to the New Testament, you find where the followers of Jesus, God's people in the New Testament period, they had a special day too that they would come together. That was the Lord's Day. That was the Lord's Day. And the church, the people of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, would come together in the New Testament as they would in the Old Testament. Not to say they didn't recognize after the law, they didn't recognize, the Christian didn't recognize all, all of those that were bound by the law and the traditions of the law, but they met, on, they met on the Lord's Day. And they met for the same reason. They met to remember, to confess their sins, to remember the past blessings, to anticipate the future blessings, and to get in tune with a holy God. So the church assembled together. It was expected to. And for the same purpose in the New Testament as the Old Testament, and even today to worship God, to repent of their sins, personal, corporate sins, and to remember the past blessings and to anticipate. And then, let me add this, and to return to Him. If they had departed in any way, they were to come at that time on the Lord's Day and ask God to forgive them, and they would return to Him in faithful love and faithful obedience. And so the people of God have always known that sacred assemblies, the coming together, was a time for personal corporate repentance in the face 
of God's righteous judgment. Locusts on the land, what do we do? Let's get together, let's pray. That was a natural thing for them to do when the nation, Israel, was facing the righteous judgment of God or was in the midst of the righteous judgment of God. The locusts just didn't show up, friends. And so they were under the righteous judgment of God. Let's call a sacred assembly. Let's get our people together. Take the children. Take the baby from the mother's breast. Let's get together. Get all you can find. And let's cry out to God and make things right with God. You know, during the days of Joel, this, this great swarm of locusts brought devastation uh, on that nation. This was a time to a weep. It was a time to weep, to mourn, to wail, to grieve, to despair. Very serious time. And Joel said there, Joel 1, verse 2, he says, and the Holman Christian Standard Version says it this way, Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? In the days, King James says, your forefathers? Nothing has ever happened like this before. This was such a catastrophe with all of those locusts that future generations would be talking about it with their children and with their grandchildren for years and years and years and years to come. It was such a natural disaster that Joel shouted in Joel chapter 1, verse 14. He says, Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elder, all who live in the land, to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. It was a pretty serious time for God's people. Joel wanted people to come together in a time of difficulty. Here's the point. There are many today, many today, some of you, myself included, you hear it from time to time, many today who sense our nation is at a desperate time that calls for desperate measures. How many natural disasters have we have experienced lately that have been labeled some of the worst natural disasters in the history of our country. Number of them, floods, hurricanes. The Smokies had a, a fire that had been over 50 years since they'd had a fire like they experienced there in Gatlinburg and around Pigeon Forge area, including an F5 tornado that came through here, impacted us. As a town, as a church, individually, 16 homes were totally destroyed in our church. Nine were partially destroyed. Six people, five people from our congregation lost their lives. The kind that we will describe to our children and our grandchildren for years to come. I even described it to Dr. Page last Wednesday night. And so during times like this, God calls us to return to Him. When the nation's in a mess, God calls us to return to Him. So during King Solomon's reign, over in King Solomon's time in 2 Chronicles 7, verse uh, 13 and 14, listen to what King Solomon said. Verse 13, he's God, he, says when, he said, God said this to Solomon, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain 
or I command the locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. You know, we kind of went through a drought recently, didn't we? And Tim Reed's aware of that because he comes to me from time to time and he says, Brother Sammy, pray for rain. But we got a lot of people that don't understand that you can pray for rain. And we don't have a lot of people that understand that God may be withholding the rain for some reason. The point is, the healing of our land is waiting on the repentance of God's people. And another point is, so is the healing of our marriages. So is the healing of our churches. So is the healing of our cities, major cities, small-town America. So is the healing of our government, our little small local government, our state government, our national government. All of our healing is waiting on God's people to repent and turn to Him. Sound the alarm. Call all the believers, especially those at Mountain View Baptist Church. God's calling you to return to Him. That's the message. You think we need it? You think we do? I think we do. As a pastor and under-shepherd of the church, I'm sounding the alarm. Go forward in faith. In consecration first, there's a call to return. And this call is usually through a national crisis, but let me add this, a personal crisis. Personal. We kind of can tuck the national behind and let the, and let the majority of the people around us deal with it and paid politicians. But when they're personal crises, that's an inclination God is saying, come home, come back to me. Going to be teaching a study pretty soon on when life gets hard. And what I liked about James McDonald, he said, Don't let a personal crisis go to waste bringing you back to God. My goodness, what a statement. Not that God caused it, but God's going to use that to bring you. You know, the closest that I am to God is when I'm going through a crisis. He said there's a call to return. But then notice there's, he says, prepare yourself. Have you ever experienced a disaster or a catastrophe that just caused you to weep and to mourn and to wail and despair? All of us have. They're good times. Those are good times for the people of God to just come together and renew our relationship with Him. However, God wants us to meet together in such a way that we never, never stray from him. Now hear me. Don't wait until the crisis. God wants us to meet together on a regular basis where we won't stray from him. That's why church attendance is important. He wants us to meet together. The point is, if we do the ongoing spiritual work, required by the Lord, we won't need an emergency assembly of the people of God when something bad comes to us in our life. There's some preparation.
God wants you and me and us to meet with him, but he wants us to prepare to meet with him. So the question is this, did you prepare to meet with God today or are you just here? Some are not even here. You just stroll in. Is there, that's why I, I, I shared with Terry and Kyle and guys in the sound, I, I want to have this moment that we can just pull away and stop all the chatter and the clutter and get along with God five minutes before we come before him and worship. Notice the instructions he gave Joel, chapter 2, verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16, we go back to it. Chapter 2, verse 16, he gave Joel some instructions there. And he, said, uh, he said, gather the people, consecrate, underline that word, consecrate. Consecrate the assembly, consecrate the assembly. You see a similar command in Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, where Moses was instructed. I'll give you that. Here it is, Exodus 19, it's on the screen. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them. He's speaking to the leader, Moses. He's speaking to the leader, Joel. He's speaking to the leader, Brother Sammy, consecrate them today and tomorrow. The word consecrate is really important. Leader, speaking to me. Very important task as a spiritual leader, to consecrate the people of God, to renew, to have them to renew their covenant relationship with God. Now in Joel, in Exodus, that Hebrew word for consecration means to make clean, it means to purify, it means to sanctify, it means to set apart from the profane and the unholy. Consecrate the people. Tell them to separate themselves to make themselves clean. So Moses says, hey, you need to go wash all your clothes. You need to abstain from sexual relationships. Okay, he wanted them to be clean on the outside, and God's talking about being clean on the inside. This is what you need to do when you come before me. You need to come before me in a consecrated way. Moses said, in order to meet with God, you need to clean up, wash your clothes. Nothing wrong in wearing nice clothes to church. Nothing wrong wearing suits to church. getting to be now to where it's more popular to dress down than to dress up. That God has a lot to say about what you wear before the presence of God. You can go to Nicaragua, you can go to Romania, some of you have been, and they are so pitiful and they don't have hardly anything to wear and they go barefooted in the day. But you let the Lord's Day come around and they are wearing the cleanest clothes I don't see how they got them so white. Why was that? They're going to church. Going to church. Nothing wrong in dressing up going to church. We've got this idea now. You don't have to come before the Lord. You can look like a slouch and come before God. I know that don't save you, but you're coming before God Almighty. Would you look that way going before President Trump? Or going for an interview for a job, and you're coming before God Almighty looking like a slouch and thinking, hey, I'll just stroll into his presence like this. My goodness gracious. What do you think the priest wore a robe? 
What do you think? It's all symbolic in the priestess robes. No, that won't save you. And, and, and going with a suit on won't save you. But I wear a suit for a purpose. You ever bought a suit lately? They don't give them away. But I buy them because I'm going and I'm standing on behalf of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I want to dress up for that in God. It's important to me. You wear what you feel comfortable in, but always keep in mind who you're going before. He's higher than you. And you want to know that song this morning, and I'm getting on a sermon for next week. Who am I? Who am I? I'm going to tell you who you are. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm a, I'm a clot of dirt. Ask, jo- ask Job. Job kind of got on God's case, and God said, where were you when I created the world? Where were you? Who are you? Don't forget who you are. We mess up when we get too friendly, too buddy-buddy with a righteous, holy God. We lose respect for him when we do that. Don't ever do that. This morning, you need to think about the kind of cleansing you need. Now, let me get back. It's not about clothes. But how clean is your mind today? It's about being clean morally. It's about being clean mentally. It's about being clean spiritually to be prepared to meet God in worship. That's what it's all about. So the word concentration Consecration means to be clean, to be purified, to be sanctified, to be pulled away from this old common, filthy, profane world. That's one concept. Moses said, go wash your clothes. But another concept of the word consecrate comes from two words, which means to fill the opened hand. To fill the open hand. The ideal to fill the open hand. Imagine, I want you to imagine with me just for a moment about a priest. Let's say the priest standing beside the altar in the temple. And the priest is standing there with his arms outstretched and he has his hands open. And under the Levitical system, what he was to do was he was to receive your sacrifice to a holy God. Consecrated to fill the open hand. And he's standing there with his hands open, arms outstretched. And once you place that offering in his hand, just like an offering plate, that's consecrated to God. That's not yours anymore. That is holy unto God. That sacrifice placed in those hands of that priest became God's holy sacrifice. Dedicated to him, consecrated to God for his purpose. That offering no longer belongs to me. It's his. Now, therefore, think about you being consecrated to God. Paul puts it in the perspective this way. In Romans 12, verse 1, in bringing a sacrifice to God. But he doesn't use sheep and goats. 
and he doesn't use money, but he uses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, body meaning total being, that you present your, your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Some translation says well-pleasing under God, which is your reasonable service. Have you presented yourself completely, totally, under God, everything, your own, your total being under God, your time under God, your wealth under God, your family under God. That's what he's requiring of you. Standing there with open hands. This morning, I, I, I want you just to imagine. We imagine the priest but what I want you to imagine this morning, I want you to imagine now Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's on his throne, and he has his hands open, and his hands are, his arms are outstretched. He's seated on the throne, and the purpose for him being there is to receive your life as an offering, as a sacrifice, one that is holy, totally given to him, pleasing to him. Now, which of the following words would best describe what you're offering God this morning as your living sacrifice? Arrogant? Prideful? Immoral? Selfish? Clean? Impure, ungodly, evil, loving, wicked, holy, obedient, surrendered, humbled, pure, faithful. And so this morning he stands with his arms outstretched, his hands open wide, and you will place in his hand symbolically today, your life. What will you give him today? It's very obvious that the majority, and I use that word, of God's people are not consecrated to God. They're not prepared to meet God in worship. They're not clean morally, mentally, spiritually. They have very little life, if anything, of themselves to place in the open hand of God the Father. And let me tell you something, my friend. Don't wait till disaster comes. Natural disaster, personal crisis. Go forward in faith and consecration. That, take that step today. Don't put it off. Take it today. Why would you want to wait being consecrated to the Heavenly Father? It's different than being committed. You can see where the commitment would come from a consecrated life. Without, their, without the consecration, giving yourself fully to the Lord, there's no commitment, none whatsoever. But when you have the total consecration, you have full commitment. So don't wait and call a holy convocation for a natural disaster 
or for a personal crisis. There's a call to return. There's a call to prepare yourself. And God's wanting to meet you on a regular basis, not just an emergency situation. And we prepare ourselves through a consecration, pulling apart from an unholy and unprofane world, being clean, being pure, Secondly, being willing to fill his open hand with a consecrated life. Makes sense? Amen. And he says today, return unto me. Sammy, consecrate the people. Call them to me. That's what I've done, the best that I could do. And I can see, I can see why God changed my sermon. I may get a chance to preach that some other time, but, but, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Let me just give you two points. Who am I to take the Lord's day from my day? Who do you think you are to do that? Who do you think you are to take his wealth and keep it for yourself? Who do you think you are to do that? Who do I think I am to be one to do that? The song said, we're just like a flower, we're just like a vapor, we're really nothing at all. It's not about us, it's about him. Consecrate yourself to him today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time that we have to worship you and to think about this word, consecrate. And Lord, when there's a lack of commitment, there's a lack of consecration. And when your people are consecrated... When we pulled away from the world, we're drawing near to you on a regular basis, and we're working on it day after day after day after day, and we're in full fellowship with you. My goodness, whatever comes our way, we're there with you. We know you're with us, and we don't have to call a, a spiritual convocation or when anything happens. We know that you're going to work things out. We're confessed up. We've repented up. And, Lord, we've given you, we've put our lives in your hands. That's what you're wanting. Help us to be able to do that, be willing to do that, I should say, today. In Jesus' name.